Refuge is a safe place for all people. For all people. For all people to explore and restore. To explore and restore. To restore and explore. To explore and restore their faith in Jesus and His church. Refuge is a safe place for all people to explore and restore their faith in Jesus. And His church. Huh? And His church. And His church. Good evening. It is so good to be here to worship with you tonight. My name is David. I am one of the teaching pastors here at Refuge. Tonight we are continuing our new series on the Synoptic Gospels. Nicole did an amazing job last week setting up this series where she also looked at the temptation of Jesus from Luke's viewpoint. Tonight I will be looking at the temptation of Jesus from Matthew's Viewpoint. Now, when Nicole and I were discussing which gospel each of us would tackle, she said she wanted to look at Luke because it's more the it's the more rational and logical perspective. That's her quote. She then told me that Matthew is more the emotional perspective and that I would crush that one. So apparently I am the emotional one out of the three teaching pastors here, and I don't need to hear any amens from the crowd on that remark. Now, as Nicole mentioned last week, there are also both negative and positive sides of temptation and being tested. Now, I know that most of us probably have been tempted or tested this week since it's been Amazon Prime Day for Monday and Tuesday. But speaking of online shopping, I have a story to tell you. Adrian was shopping online to what he thought would be a bit of nostalgia as well as something cute for the baby's nursery and for our future baby. Now, how many of you have ever heard of the movie, The Never-Ending Story? Now, this was a movie that came out in the 80s that featured this young kid trying to save the world from the nothing. Well, he ended up becoming best friends with this cute little flying animal, which looked like a stretched out cocker spaniel, if you ask me. His name was Falcor, and he was a luck dragon. Now, Adrian came across this site where you can buy a stuffed animal that looked like this cute flying dog Falcor, and he wanted our future child to have it, so he bought, bought it. Well, this temptation turned out to be a very bad decision. It looks nothing like Falcor. It looks like a demon-possessed goat that will steal your soul just by looking at it. In fact, I said a few choice words whenever he got it and brought it upstairs and I saw it for the first time because he was holding it like this. And I turned around and I thought that he had really gotten a live goat in our house. Now, then he proceeded to put it in the baby's crib to await our future child. So every time I walk in the nursery, I see this demon-possessed goat staring at me. And do you think I'm going to let this thing anywhere near this child? No. Now, we even decided to take this thing to North Carolina with us last week so that we could scare my sisters and my niece with it. Well, get this. 
When we opened our suitcase, TSA left us a note in the suitcase saying that they had to search the suitcase. Can you imagine what they thought was in there when they scanned it? I mean, look, it looked like that we had a packed a dead animal in our suitcase. Now, Adrian, come and get your gift, your little precious Falcor. Make sure you zip it up because I don't want him to steal anybody's soul in here. <clears throat> now, I wanted to start this message tonight with a bit of humor about temptation before we dive into Matthew's text. Because there really isn't anything humorous about what Jesus had to endure when he was in the wilderness for 40 days and for 40 nights. Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 through 11 says this in in regards to the temptation of Jesus. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him. It is also written. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Now I want you to think for a minute about some things in your life that maybe you have tried giving up. These passages that we just read have mostly been preached during the season of Lent, which is before Easter. Now, during Lent, many people choose to give up something for this season. Maybe it's chocolate, maybe it's alcohol, meat, TV, cell phone use, you name it. People grumbled when I said cell phone use. Okay. When we try to give up something, even when some of us go on a diet, we try to avoid going to places that may tempt us to give in to the things that we are trying to give up. We say to ourselves, stay away from certain places and certain people and the devil won't get get you. Well, that's a very naive way to think of temptation. The fact is that even if we were to totally isolate ourselves from every single source of evil in this world, we would not be able to avoid temptation. Because you know who the devil's most powerful ally is? Our own flesh. No matter how hard we try, we cannot avoid temptation. Now, Matthew begins in chapter 4 telling us that right after Jesus was baptized, he mentioned that in chapter 3, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. This was the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. The big test came immediately when Jesus began his ministry. Now, the wilderness is nearly always a place of struggle and of being tested. Now think of Moses and the Israelites. They were wandering in the wilderness in the Old Testament for 40 years before they entered the promised land. 
In the Gospel of Matthew, we learn that it is God's Spirit who leads Jesus into the wilderness. Now, also says that the devil came to tempt him. Well, the term devil in Matthew has a much different meaning in the original translations than they do for most people today. In its broader use, the term devil here means one who tests and attacks, misleads, deceives, diverts, discredits, or slanders. So here in Matthew, when he talks about the devil, he really isn't saying that the devil is a personified entity of evil here. It's like that little person in red with horns and a pitchfork that sits on their shoulder. That's not what Matthew is talking about. Rather, the devil here is a term for that which attempts to draw us away, to test us, to tempt us from the ways of God and from understanding of our own identity as beloved children of God. This is what the devil attempts to do in Matthew, to, mis- to mislead Jesus about the meaning of the purposes of God and his own identity as the son of God. Now, as Nicole said last week, Jesus came here as the second and final Adam. Why? Because what Adam failed to do in the garden where he had everything he could have ever wanted, Jesus succeeds in the wilderness where he had nothing. The word tempt here means in its original translation to test. Now, I heard this definition of testing, and I think it's... It's very prudent to what we're talking about. It says, testing will cause its recipient to appear as what they've always been. It doesn't make you something different. It reveals what you are. So Jesus is being led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested so that he would have a chance to reveal who he really is. When the, when the devil tempts Jesus, and even when we are tempted by the devil today, he tries to disprove who we really are. He tries to disprove who Jesus really is. The devil comes at us, and he tries to prove to us that our flaws and our faults, and that we're not really children of God because of it. But we are bought by the blood, the sacrifice, the crucifixion, and the resurrection of Jesus. Verse 2 says that after Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I mean, that's an understatement. Has anybody here ever fasted before? Have you fasted for 40 days and 40 nights before? Now, I can honestly say that I have never tried it. I have skipped a meal or two on some days, and my body becomes very unhappy with me even then. Now, when it comes to Christianity, when people fast, what they do is they tell their body no to have control over the physical as they seek God during those moments and to depend on his strength to get you through. So here Jesus is, he's isolated in the wilderness And he's hungry after fasting 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus is fully man. So after fasting that long, his body is probably physically weak. And the tempter, the tester, shows up at what he thinks is the perfect time to throw Jesus off course. 
When we are weakest, when we are isolated, that's when our flesh is tempted the most. I mean, when you're here in church, when we're worshiping Jesus together around fellow believers, that's probably not the most opportune time that the tester will show up to tempt you. You see, Jesus was just baptized and God himself, it says in chapter 3, spoke from heaven and said, this is my son whom I am well pleased. And Jesus is coming off that high in his life to now he's tired, he's weak, and he's by himself. And the devil shows up. Now there's some truths here that we need to understand, but also that might make our brains explode at the same time. Jesus is fully God, and Jesus is fully man. And that statement right there is more than our human brains can grasp. So when Jesus is fully man, he is fully tempted, but he's also fully God, and God can't be tempted. Does that make any sense? (laughs) Well, Jesus took on human flesh in order to understand our humanity. But at the same time, he's not like us because he's fully God. Kind of hard to wrap our brains around that, but but that's the beauty of the incarnation of Jesus. So Jesus was led by the Spirit to the wilderness to be tempted. Keep in mind that later on in his ministry, the disciples asked Jesus how they should pray. And part of that prayer, he says, lead us not into what? Temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Basically, Jesus is telling his disciples, pray that you don't go through what I went through for you. So the first test of Jesus I like to say it's the temptation to to do it your own way. The first temptation deals with the immediate physical needs of the body, a reality for all of us. In all ancient cultures, the word bread that is referred to here stands for all that feeds us physically, food. Verse 3 says, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the devil here doesn't say, all right, I'll give you bread, but you're going to have to work for me today. That would have been a more of a rational request. What makes this a temptation is the shortcut to the miraculous. Satan says, all right, use your powers as the son of God to change these stones into food. What is implied here is that if if it doesn't work, then he will doubt his relationship to God and also the Godhead. If you are the son of God, right there at the beginning, the tempter tries to go after Jesus's identity. He goes after that clear statement that was made from the father when he was baptized. This is my son whom I am well pleased. Satan here says, why would you be hungry if you are the son of God? If you are the son of God, then take care of the problem. If you are the son of God, prove it. The tester attempts to mislead Jesus into using his power for himself by turning stones into bread rather than trusting God to satisfy his needs. Yet, Jesus will not misuse his power for personal material gain. 
Satan is basically saying, Jesus, you're hungry and you're God's son. Put those two things together and make yourself some food. Now, it sounds so harmless that we almost miss the trap, don't we? What would be wrong with Jesus making himself a sandwich? Nothing except the biggest thing. The devil was trying to use Jesus's aching stomach to lead him to distrust God's loving care and to disobey God's will. Jesus has a comeback. He quotes scripture. He quotes Deuteronomy 8.3 when the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Deuteronomy 8.3 says, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. What Jesus does here is that he connects it back to Israel and the Old Testament. Jesus is saying, I'm depending on my Father now, just like Israel was supposed to then. But they failed. I am the new Israel sent to cover those failures. So if Jesus made himself a meal, he would be sinning and disobeying God, much like Israel did. When after God had brought them out of slavery in Egypt, they suggested that it would have been better to have died in slavery in Egypt than to starve to death in the wilderness because they thought God wasn't providing for them. So Jesus passed the first test. Jesus one, Satan zero. Test two, I like to call it God's protection. Now, the tempter here uses scripture on this temptation. Now, how dumb can he be by trying to use the word against the word? I mean, but it says here in verse 5, Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Now, we really don't know if he took Jesus to the holy city literally or figuratively. If he took him there literally, commentaries say that the highest point in the temple was more than three to four hundred feet high. Now, I'm afraid of heights. I hate height going on high things. Now, I can't imagine being led up that high and then told, jump. But again, the tempter here is trying to get Jesus to question his own identity. If you are the son of God, Jesus, then jump. Because Psalm 91, 11 through 12 says, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So the devil's twisting scripture here. He's saying, all right, Psalm 91 says that it, you know, if you jump, God's going to send the angels down and they're going to catch you and you're not going to get hurt. But Psalm 91 is about the protection that God promises to provide from the dangers that come as we are busy carrying out our everyday lives. It's not about taking unnecessary risks to see if he will really do what he says. The traps Satan had laid here was to see if Jesus would put his father's promise to the test. 
But we too are tempted to take scripture out of context and make claims against God and things he's never promised. God hasn't promised to send his angels to guard us if we find it thrilling to drive over 100 miles per hour on a curvy road. God hasn't promised to keep every hardship, disease, or accident from us. And yet, when these things happen to us, we tend to blame God for not protecting us from it all. And what was Jesus' reply? Well, the word, Jesus, spoke the word against the tempter. Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not test the Lord your God. Jesus knew that God hadn't promised to send his angels to catch him if he jumped off the temple. He didn't test his father, but he also displayed perfect trust in his father's protection and plan. He knew what the plan was. He knew what his call, he knew what his ministry was, and he did not waver from that. I mean, we can also witness that perfect trust that Jesus had in his ministry, in his father, when he was sleeping in the boat on the stormy sea of Galilee, when seasoned sailors, the disciples were all panicking in the raging storm. Jesus trusted his father because he knew the plan and he did not panic. How many times do we worry and panic when storms come in our lives and we forget that Jesus overcame those storms for us? He endured it all for us. We also hear that trust when he prays in the garden of Gethsemane right before he is crucified. Father, not my will, but yours be done. We see it as he's hanging on the cross, enduring the wrath that we deserved. And when he ultimately gives himself up, for us on the cross and died. Jesus did not waver from his ministry and he trusted in his father because he knew that we have tested God in things that he's not promised and failed to trust the promises that he's made to us. Jesus overcame the devil's temptation again. He won this one. Jesus two, Satan zero. Test three. I like to call it the shortcut. Now we get to this third temptation. The tempter tries to throw Jesus off his purpose by trying to give him a shortcut. The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said to him, I will give you all of this if you will bow down and worship me. I will give you all these kingdoms if you bow down and worship me. Now this temptation is weird to me. Matthew, throughout his gospel, refers to Jesus as king. So here we have the devil offering King Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. Why would he offer Jesus, King Jesus, something that Jesus is already king of? Well, it's not the offering of the kingdoms of the world that he is trying to achieve. It's the offering Jesus a shortcut from his ministry that he wants. He knows what Jesus has come to earth to fulfill. And he was proposing a shortcut that didn't involve blood, sweat, tears, and suffering and death. Only if Jesus would become a Satanist and bow down to him. Because he wanted Jesus to take the shortcut and not go to the cross for us. Once again, Jesus didn't give in. He refused to give in to this shortcut. He says, go away, Satan. 
Or as I would like to think, you would say, get out of my face, you idiot. But that's just me. And then he says, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus held out against this third and most attractive temptation, even though he fully understood that it would mean a path of rejection, betrayal, blood, tears, suffering, and death on a cross. And then Matthew 4.11 says that the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. What I can imagine in my mind when the angels came to attend to him was that they brought a huge spread of food for him to eat since he was so hungry. I can see filet mignon, baked potatoes, loaded cheese fries, all the bread you can get, the salads. No, you don't want salad. You want more steak. I can't wait to go eat after church. So here we have Jesus overcoming this temptation. Jesus three, Satan zero. So now you have the handbook for defeating Satan and his temptations. Just do what Jesus did. Know your Bible as well as he did. Identify both Satan's traps and the specific passages that will keep him away from you. If you do that, you too can overcome all your temptations, right? No, wrong. No, no, no. Jesus didn't enter this time of temptation to simply show us how to fight off our own temptations. We, we kind of missed this point. Jesus came to defeat Satan and temptations for us. His perfect obedience to God while he was near starvation was how he began his work in ministry of destroying the devil's power over us. And because we have failed so frequently, he would continue his march all the way to the cross to pay for our sins himself. And he was tempted by Satan throughout the entire ministry. So through faith, his perfect obedience is our perfect obedience. That is the victory Jesus fought and died to win for us. But life is hard sometimes. Life sucks sometimes. And we struggle with temptation after temptation, test after test, trial after trial. We just want to give up at times because we don't have the strength to fight it. We are fighting battles every day in our lives. We are fighting our inner demons who try to get us, get us off track to what God has called us to do. We're fighting our inner demons who are trying to get us to question our own identity. The fact that we are children of the Most High God. But God's Word in James tells us this. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Sounds so easy, doesn't it? How are we to do this? How can we resist the devil? How can we resist our own inner demons? Well, as we have been saying all summer, it all comes back to Jesus. We pour our lives into loving him. We pour our lives into loving our neighbors. He is the word. He overcame our temptations. We have already won because of what he did for us. 
Now, this doesn't take away our suffering here on this earth. But Jesus gives us the hope that we can rest in him. And just as God the Father said when Jesus was baptized, this is my son who I am well pleased. He is saying that to us today through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. This is my son. This is my daughter whom I am well pleased. So come rest. Find rest in me. I know the temptations you're facing. I know the trials you're facing. Come find rest in me. Because you are my son. You are my daughter. And I am very well pleased with you. Because when God the Father looks at us, he sees Jesus because of what Jesus did for us. Now, you know how I like to close out my sermons. I close out differently. Uh, The last time I closed out, I played a song. Well, you're getting that again. I believe that this song can be the invitation that Jesus is giving us as we face the trials and the tests of life, the temptations from the tempter. As we face all of that, he is the one who can provide rest for our souls during those times. Pay attention to the lyrics and then I'll come up and close this out. As a band comes up, we all go through tests and trials. Due to this fallen world, we will be tempted and tried our entire lives. And in those times, Jesus wants us to rest in him. He's the one, the only one, who has been perfectly victorious over Satan's tests. He understands what it's like to go through what we go through. And because of his life, death, and resurrection, he has conquered Satan for us. And remember, through Jesus, Satan always loses. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for enduring all the temptations that you had to go through for us. We thank you for the fact that you were fully man. You became human so that you can fully understand us. But you're also fully God and you did what no one else could do. And that was to cover our sins through your resurrection power. And we love you for that, Jesus. And we thank you for your life and for the example that you lead for us and father if we go through temptations when we go through temptations and tests and trials in our lives help us to find rest in you and if if satan is just on our backs just say jesus take care of this i can't because we know you come running you are a protector our shield As we continue worshiping tonight, I pray that you continue to speak to our hearts. In your name I pray, amen.